mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour we will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Maybe throwing a little bare knuckle as well as they are coming back to South Florida next week. Different promotion. It's going to be a Dada 5000's card at the Hard Rock. And I think we're giving away a lot of tickets this week on the morning show so you guys can be listening out for that we're going to take a bunch of listeners out myself leroy robbie the degenerate so if you guys want to come watch some fights with us um be tuned in 6 to 10 a.m i'll be actually out tomorrow but robbie will be here uh, i hope everybody gives robbie a listen he'll do a fantastic job even though he does have to co-host with duarte so take it for what it's worth it giveth and taketh i'm just kidding vlad relax man not really though hey screw screw zach this guy was at the heat game like two weeks ago and he's like he, you know, he, he leaves me high and dry to sit next to Skolnick. He goes over there and he goes, empty seat next to Skolnick. I'll sit next to him. I was like, hey, bro, where are we at? I didn't know you were at the game the whole time. He goes, oh, sit next to Ethan. Okay, cool. I didn't I didn't realize you were you were in five reasons. My bad. They just leave me high and dry. So I just sit there talking to no one during the heat game. So it's cool, man. Whatever. Do your thing. Anyway. So as I as I as I uh, continue my point, listen tomorrow morning to Robbie the Degenerate. He'll have Zach Duarte here with him as well. So you'll have that. We'll be back on Tuesday, um, but we're going to bring a lot of listeners to uh, to to BYB coming next Saturday to the Seminole Hard Rock uh, Giant Guitar Hotel and Casino. So we're looking forward to that. It's the first combat event that they've had since they've opened up the guitar. So it should be a really really cool event. Looking forward to it. Um, a lot to get into, man. A lot of happening as far as action last night, and a lot of a lot of notes and and news to dive into as well. So. I want to start off with UFC Norfolk that went down yesterday. That was on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, Davidson Figueiredo being uh, Joseph Benavidez uh, did not win the flyweight title as uh, Figueiredo did not make weight. He missed it by two and a half pounds. And I felt terrible for Joseph Benavidez. One, he's been uh, a longtime staple of the flyweight division. He was in the inaugural fight where Mighty Mouse won the belt. And this was kind of his last stand, his last chance. And really what I thought, you know, look, I, I don't mean to get grim about this type of stuff, but it feels like the flyweight division has been on life support for the longest time now anyway. Um, I don't know how you can look at last night and not think this isn't the death nail to the flyweight division. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, they've tried everything they can to kind of spice it up. You know, they've let uh, Henry Cejudo kind of run run, run around and tout himself as a, as a double champion, even though he hasn't defended that belt yet. Um, they tried bringing TJ Dillashaw down to flyweight to fight Henry Cejudo, um, and he needed all the PEDs possible to get himself down to that weight. Uh, we've now had another title fight where a guy has missed weight, so he couldn't even be eligible to win the title. There's just been so much uh, with this division that has gone wrong. It's so clear the UFC hasn't been very invested in it. Um, I just don't know how you could have a situation where um, you have a title fight. The guy who knocks out Joseph Benavidez wins. He's not eligible to win the belt, so now we're just sitting here, what? With him being able to go get a rematch against Henry Cejudo? Uh, Benavidez is going to get another shot. What do you do? 
in this in this flyweight division that that's just been hanging on by a thread. They've done everything they could. They they swore that up and down that you know they couldn't make Mighty Mouse a star or couldn't even make him uh, somebody bankable, which I find kind of crazy because I you know I think for the longest time it really has been a while since. Uh, you could say Mighty Mouse isn't been a good watch. He's a fun watch. I don't know why people why he isn't a huge watch, but you know there's been plenty of guys in bigger divisions that have put up uh, poor numbers as well. And for whatever reason, Mighty Mouse it felt like he took a bigger stigma than the others. Um, but as far as this division's concerned, like what do you do? So you're gonna be here and you're gonna wait for for uh, for Davidson to what fight Henry Cejudo again? Like Henry Cejudo's coming out, he goes, I'll fight him in a couple months. After I after I defend against Jose Aldo, uh, I don't even understand why. Like Henry Cejudo, I don't know if he's you know some some craze ratings uh, buster that I'm unaware of or whatnot. But I don't understand why he's waltz around getting to basically do whatever he wants anyway. Because you have this situation where he's fighting Jose Aldo, who is coming off a loss, and I thought Jose won that fight against Marlon Moraes anyway. Um, but it felt like they they let him keep the gimmick going, the double champion thing. Now he gets to keep it going a little bit more because they're. Seemingly is no flyweight champion, um, but like it's 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 getting to the point. It's like, well, what's the point of all of this? We we have a division that's clearly not invested. Um, they don't have a champion now. They tried. Um, I, I really thought that last night was kind of the death blow to it because you're talking about couldn't make one of the best fighters of all time. You didn't think he was worthy of keeping around. There's one. Uh, Henry Cejudo beats him by a whisker. You give him this uh, this fight against TJ Dillashaw, where TJ Dillashaw is going to come and become the double champion. And instead, what happens is TJ Dillashaw needs all of the drugs to even make it to that weight class. Um, there's no defense of that, so he gets to go up and win. So Cejudo gets to go up and win the bantamweight championship. Good for him. And so then you're just left with this vacant title, and the guy who wins missed weight by three pounds. So not only does it seem like you don't have a division, but it seems like all the top guys uh, who you have competing in this division, other than Henry Cejudo, who seems like he's ready to move on to other stuff, even uh, if he just wants to keep flyweight around as, as kind of a gimmick, nobody can really make the weight naturally. So it's a huge bummer. I felt bad for Joseph Benavidez. I wanted him to win that fight, obviously, to, to put the cherry on top of a fine career. Um, but that's MMA, man. It's not fair. It's, it's one of those things where you're rooting for one thing to go down and it doesn't happen. Not even close. So, um, that's what went down yesterday. I really thought it was a, it was a tough, tough night. If you are a fan of the little guys fighting, uh, it seems like I would, I would think it's got a better future at one championship or some other promotion than, um, you know, than, than, than UFC where it seems like it's been teetering for a while now anyway. You know, if, it, if, if this is one of those things where, this whole flyweight thing hasn't been hanging over the promotion a as it is. I wouldn't feel this way. I would. I would be like, all right, well, tough stretch. Like it hasn't been like there hasn't been tough stretches for divisions anyway. But it feels like one. Uh, it was kept around because I guess there was somewhat of an MMA media outcry. Uh, oh, keep the flyweights, keep the flyweights. You know, all that type of stuff. Um, so they 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 seemed half in, half out anyway. But it's always a thing that's going to hang over it. And now you just look down the barrel and you're like, well, who is the guy that's going to stick around and do it? Like, I think Cejudo could have done that. He could have been the guy that maybe carried the torch, but he immediately wanted to go up to bantamweight and try his, and try his hand in that. So 
how how could you feel great that this thing has a long lasting future, especially after last night where uh, the the champion the championship was left vacant because the guy who won wasn't even at the was well over the flyweight limit. So it's a disappointing night, I think, if you uh, if you did want the little guys to kind of continue. Uh, other action that you had yesterday, Felicia Spencer got herself a win. Um, she she looks like she's probably next in line to take on Amanda Nunes. Uh, Megan Anderson also got a very devastating knockout victory, so she throws herself in line too. Um, I would say Megan's probably a little bit more recognizable, but uh, but Felicia got her. So that's one of those things where you got to look at this, and she she you know is what almost a year removed from choking Megan Anderson out. I don't really think this is a big controversy as far as who Amanda Nunes should take on next if she is going to defend that featherweight division. Um, another division that's a little bit up in the air because there's not many of them. And it's cool that you have Amanda Nunes as the cemented double champion. But what is the point of it all? Like, you know, especially I feel like almost with Amanda, it's less needed than it is for uh, Henry Cejudo. Amanda's the solidified goat. There's nobody better than her uh, as far as 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 women fighting is concerned. It's the. I, I always say this with her that there, there rare are the things in sports that have no debate, and there is no debate among who is the best female fighter of all time. She's beaten everybody: Cyborg, Rousey, uh, Valentina Shevchenko twice. There's no argument. V, uh, Misha Tate. She's beaten all of the legends at every weight class. Uh, the only thing that really would be left for her to do is go beat Valentina Shevchenko, I guess, again at flyweight which is it, it seems unnecessary for somebody that you beat twice even if they were by slim margins um so for her to need two championships is a little bit weird but you know I guess it's a good gimmick for her to roll with um she's reportedly going to defend her title at UFC 250 which is going to be the Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo card so we got that coming up as well uh big controversy from last night you had uh Magomed uh Ankalev beating uh, Ian Kutalaba yesterday by TKO, by punches and kicks. But the problem was this with uh, with with this is Kutalaba basically, uh, he, they, they stopped the fight because he looked a little bit shaky on his legs. And this referee, I don't know if he was squeamish, I don't know if he had been reprimanded in the past for late stoppages, but this dude jumped in quick. He jumped in quick because it looked like, look, it was looking bad for Kutalaba, but it wasn't dire. I mean, he was blocking a lot of these high kicks that were coming towards his head. And the referee pulled the trigger, man. He was ready to get the he-, he was he was ready to 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 pull this thing quick. So you had that last night. That was a bit of a sour note because that could have been a a really really good fight. And instead, he's kind of got a loss hung on him that he probably didn't deserve yet, man. It really really was bad. It was it was as bad as it gets. And I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't know what the ramifications are for the referee. I don't know what he faces. Um. But it, those are those are the types of ones where you see something that egregious. Uh, if possible, you'd like that guy to, you know, be put on the shelf for a little bit. You know, I'm not saying you know lifetime ban, year ban, but like that guy shouldn't work a, a, a few events for a while. He really, really shouldn't. It, it, it was uh, it was it was that bad. You're costing these guys, especially a guy like Kutalaba, who is. Um, I'm not saying he would have come back and won that fight. I'm not saying that. You know, he was going to win that fight. It wasn't a great start by him. He was getting it put on him a little bit, but he was also defending. And so, you know, you put these losses on guys. Mixed martial arts is more forgiving than boxing. Uh, it's not It's not like where 
you lose one fight like poor Deontay Wilder loses a fight and then he has to come up with every excuse under the sun so people will still believe in him again. That's just the culture of boxing. You lose one and people just, they, I mean, they are ready to head to the high hills not supporting you anymore. With, with mixed martial arts, fans, media, supporters, they'll be just a little bit more forgiving. That doesn't mean that, you know, a guy in, in his uh, standpoint, you know, a lot of these guys are on win bonuses. It costs them a lot of money. Uh, you can move up very quickly in the rankings. You can move down in the rankings all because of this stuff. And that's, that's tough when a referee makes that much of a mistake. So hopefully everybody keeps that in mind when they're watching them. Um, as far as boxing last night was concerned, you had Mikey Garcia. He defeated Jesse Vargas by unanimous decision. It was 114-113, uh, 116-111 on two cards. Uh, so one judge had it as the knockdown being the big difference for him. Garcia put him down uh, really, really bad in the fifth round. Um, you know, it, I would say Jesse Vargas got off to a good start. Um, Jesse Vargas is a good fighter. I think that's that's kind of, though, he's always that opponent where if you want to get right or get your footing on where things are, you put him up against Jesse Vargas. Um, and, and he's usually just, just good enough to not be good enough. You know, and, and so, and I mean that against like the elite of the elite. I mean, Jesse Vargas has taken on a lot of elite fighters, and it feels like they always put him in there in a situation where that guy needs to get right, get some feel good for himself, get some get some uh, going for his career and whatnot. So, that's one of those things where he looked great in the early going. It looked like I would say even that he had control of that fight, but Mikey Garcia was uh, was in a situation where. You know, got it cut loose a little bit when he let his hands go. You could see that that he definitely had the uh, the betterment of those two. But you know, this is a guy and, and Jesse Vargas, just a really really good fighter. Um, gets Mikey Garcia right now. Garcia afterwards called for two things. He called for a rematch against Errol Spence, and he called for a fight with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, of those two. I would say the obvious way to go is Manny Pacquiao because I don't know what you could have watched in that Errol Spence fight the first time around that you would think it warrants a rematch. I, I, I don't know. I was in the building for that fight, and, I mean, Errol Spence destroyed him. I mean, he really, really did. Now, look, I understand that Mikey Garcia was coming up in weight. That's the first time he's getting to to feel that type of size and whatnot, but all respect, you know, Jesse Vargas is not Errol Spence. And so I just feel like you're setting yourself up for more disappointment if you're Mikey Garcia. The Pacquiao fight is interesting. I wouldn't even mind if they put that fight a little bit lower. That would be a very, very fun fight between those two. Um, you would kind of bring back the uh, the old executioner type of style with uh, with Manny Pacquiao. I think that that always would feed into a really, really great uh, storyline as far as that's concerned. You know, Robert Garcia's trained against Manny Pacquiao before too so you have that element to it um he has some experience in that regard uh the only problem is I think that there's just everybody under the sun wants the Pacquiao fight it feels like everybody wants to fight Pacquiao uh Pacquiao is a free agent and it seems like it seems like there's just a lot of people who are vying for that because he's one of the last bankable stars in boxing that you know if you put your opponent in there with them, they're going to get a huge, huge payday against him. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, let's get a little bit into some of the fallout that happened this week with Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury because we, of course, had the the reaction to it right afterwards um, from last week. But a lot of things happened with it, a lot of updates. 
Deontay Wilder uh, decided to to get his his arm workout on and uh, and crank up the excuse machine. He's firing trainers. He's rehiring trainers. Uh, we got the pay per view buy rates, which were pretty shockingly low. So we'll get to that as well, and a lot of other news and notes in the fight world. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM seven ninety The Ticket. Ah, welcome back, everybody. Futters Fury here on the ticket. We'll take you up until 11 o'clock today. So, one other boxing note I should make from last night is uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez. He won himself another championship. And that was good because a lot of people thought that uh, Roman Gonzalez was done. Uh, and he ended up uh, putting on Carl uh, Yafe to win the WBA Super flyweight title. So it was a really awesome moment. He whooped his ass. It really, really was a great performance. Uh, only 32 years old, but this is one of those things where everybody thinks that once a guy who is that small hits like 30, the decline is 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 over. is is uh, tremendous. So they think that they can't bounce back. And he looked he looked really really good yesterday. Really really good with an engaged opponent. I mean, uh, you know, I was 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 wanting to go in there, go toe to toe with him, and provided. Um, a, a really, really good bout, an entertaining bout. And so uh, Chuck Latito finds himself champion of the world once again. Really awesome for him. Feel happy for him. Joseph Parker also got himself a win uh, against uh, Shondell Winters. Fifth round knockout by Joseph Parker. He said that he wanted to take on either Derek Chisora or Dillian White next. Uh, I'm into both of those fights. I think they I think they both make a lot of sense for uh, Joseph Parker. So uh, sounds good to me. Sign me up for either one of those. Those are really good. And uh, on Friday, uh, Sunrise's Xander Zayas, the 17-year-old top-ranked sensation, he fought for the first time in Puerto Rico and got himself a third-round TKO over Marklin Bailey. He improves to 4-0 with three knockouts, so a little bit of a, a local story to watch there if you guys are interested. Um, I want to get back into Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, and reason being is because one of the great things about this show that I love is the fact that we are on Sunday mornings and have been now for, Christ, seven, eight years we've been doing this one. And one of the great things is you get that instant reaction the next morning, and I love that. Uh, but one of the downfalls is uh, that you don't get to get all the details. You don't get to get all the facts that are happening. A lot of things are happening at night. You're up, you're up late at night. You don't quite know what the fallout's going to be. Um, and then there's more stuff that could happen in the aftermath. So this is one of those fights where a lot of things were happening in the in the aftermath. Now I've gotten to touch on some of them with uh, with with the morning show with Leroy, but I wanted to dive a little bit more into it as this week has gone on. Now it's been what I would say a, a rough week for for Deontay Wilder. And if you guys listened to the show last week, you guys know I went to bat for Deontay. Like this is a guy who I think was a tremendous champion, uh, took too long to get his just due to make the paydays that he deserved to make because he just had the whole package to me. I mean, this is a guy, people always saying, with with uh, why are they into, into the heavyweight division, uh, you know, clutch and hold, all that type of stuff, European guys, uh, guys don't talk, no personality. Deontay knocks everybody out. He's huge, charismatic, um, and, you know, was taking on some tough challenges. He was probably... Probably brought on a little too slow um, before he really got his just due like he did against Luis Ortiz and that type of stuff. But even still, I, I felt like Deontay had the entire package. The guy would turn dudes into memes. Um, 
and I think you know if you go back to the days with Tyson and his and his intimidation factor, you weren't just necessarily there because of who Tyson was taking on. You were there for the show, and I do feel like Deontay Wilder turned himself into the show. People would be just tuning in because oh, I want to see if this dude just completely obliterates a fool. So when he lost to Tyson Fury the way he did, um, inevitably a lot of people are going to come out and they're going to say, oh, "This is what happens. Guy can't fight. Guy's not a good boxer," but. It was one of these things where I almost respected the fact that Deontay knew he was never going to be the best boxer, but he had more power than everybody else, and that he was going to go for the knockout. That's how he was going to go win fights, because he had an incredible success rate of it. This is one of those guys where, you know, 60% of his wins are knockout, 70% of his, 95% of the guy's wins are by knockout. One guy has gone the distance, two, two individuals have gone the distance with him. That's it. That's crazy. And the guy that, one of them was a half second from getting knocked out, so... It's 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 had a, a pretty successful path to him. You know, and a lot of people will go out there and they'll say, well, if you bully him, if you fight back and all that type of stuff, they're not going to be the same. Agreed. But to Deontay's, to Deontay's uh, surprise, you had a Tyson Fury who actually was going to come forward and was going to weigh on him and lean on him and be the bully in the fight. If you guys watched uh, Tyson Fury fight, that ain't how he fights. So sometimes you just got to give credit to the opponent and that they outgame planned you or that they were crazy like a fox, that they were willing to go forward and risk maybe you just loading up and counter him with something. And Deontay wasn't able to, to, to come through. But what I was hoping for with him, when he said after the fight, he gave a lot of credit to Tyson Fury, but in the aftermath he said something happened with his leg. I had assumed that he meant something happened in training, that he was fighting through something. I didn't think in a million years that what I would be hearing was that his legs were shot because he came to the ring dressed like a transformer. I was flabbergasted when I heard this. I couldn't believe it. And... This is the thing I find even crazier about it. I can't believe that he called up three separate reporters to give him that story. This isn't even like something where he was off the cuff and somebody asked, hey, well, what the hell did happen? Look like you didn't have your legs. No, no. He didn't do press that night. Everybody thought he was going to go to the hospital, which, by the way, he never did. Um, a lot of people thought that he had a ruptured eardrum. He didn't. He just had a cut. Um, So... He decides after reflecting on it that I'm going to come out with the costume was too heavy, and that's why I lost. Now, look, hey, man, I went to bat for you last week. I'm still a huge Deontay Wilder fan. Well, holy crap. I mean, this is right up there with Jeff Kemp breaking his arm because he said he was washing his car. I mean, this is... Going to be in the pinnacle of sports excuses for a long, long time. I can't believe that he said that. I can't believe I can't believe he called up three separate people to say, my Transformer costume weighed too much. It left me with the dead legs. Mind you, Dillian White just put out a, 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 a video when he was on Joe Rogan Experience where Deontay says, I do all my workouts with a 45-pound vest on. So... I just don't know. I just of all the things you could have gone with, 
just give a little tip of the cap, wasn't feeling great, all that type of stuff. You go and say something like this. I, I can't believe it. Not only because of how ridiculous it is, but you're going to invoke your rematch clause, which he said he's going to do, against Tyson Fury, who is going to roast the hell out of you the next time you two fight. You're going to tell me you're going to give Tyson Fury this kind of verbal ammunition that you weren't in shape to fight because you wore a costume? That is crazy to me. The other thing that uh, a lot of people are pissed off at is that Deontay said that he was going to fire Mark Breland, that he is not going to allow him in his corner anymore, Um, that his corner has specific instructions to not throw in the towel, and because of that, if you do so, you're going to lose your job. This is a warning that he's given to his coaches before. Now, there's reports that Mark Breland was left crying outside the lock that was left crying in the locker room. Um, this is his this is his guy. You know, JD's is his guy where he's kind of like the head coach or whatever and organizes it. But Mark Breland's the boxing guy in that camp. Olympic gold medalist. The guy has got a, a hell of a pedigree. And he saw what we all saw, which was Deontay Wilder was getting his ass whooped in that seventh round. And I gotta be honest with you. I know the ref came out, Kenny Bellis came out and said that he thought he was close to stopping it. I thought the ref should have been close to stopping it. It really was looking bad for Deontay. It really, really was. He wasn't fighting back. He had nothing left. Costume or no costume, the guy seemed tapped out. So when I hear that you're 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 gonna fire your trainer because he's just saving you from getting a beaten, hey man, you're getting twenty five million guaranteed for this fight, right? What are we doing when 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 you're going to say you're going to fire a guy after a night like that because he wants to make sure you're not slurring your words at some point? I, I just, again, for Deontay, uh, a guy who is handling his first career loss really poorly. And you've now gone with the fact where you've blamed your trainer for keeping you from getting beat up. And look, I know Deontay came out and he said that, oh, I'm a special fighter. And you give me five rounds. That's just five more rounds. I can go get a win. Look, man, no doubt. If there's going to be anybody who needs less of a window to go get a win, it's Deontay Wilder. He doesn't, you know, people are like, oh, he's well down in the card. Deontay Wilder wasn't going into that fight to win on cards. He could have gone until the last minute of the last round, and he's still trying to go knock out Tyson Fury. However, we can't act like the 12th round of Wilder Fury 1 was going to be the same as it was in Wilder Fury 2. It was he didn't look like the same guy. Uh whatever reason he had the legs that he did, he'll blame the costume. I think it was probably a shot that Deon, uh, that Tyson Fury put on his head, messed him on up, never gathered himself, much like we saw in Ruiz versus Joshua. Um but to do that and then to fire the coach and then has come back afterwards and he's got him on Instagram and he says, "We're going to rise like a phoenix." And he says that he's not firing Mark Breland. That Mark Breland's in. You know, I don't know how many opportunities Mark Breland has in his in his uh, coaching career right now. So I'm not suggesting he doesn't take the job because a heavyweight championship trilogy, as far as a trainer's concerned, probably the most he's ever going to make in his career again. Um, but man, would I be like, bro, you threw me? You mean you put on, you you put me right under the bus? 
and like this is what you want to do. And it feels kind of like everybody's looking at, you know, Deontay Wilder's only keeping him around because so many people were outraged about it. So not a great week for Deontay as far as handling the loss is concerned. Uh, the other thing from this fight that I want to talk about that I found interesting was Yahoo, Kevin Ioli, who's, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the, the vets of the sport when it comes to reporting on boxing and mixed martial arts. You know, he's, uh, he's one of the rare guys that plays on both sides of the sandbox. Um, he says that the buy rates for this fight came in at 800 to 850,000 pay-per-view buys. Now, look, in today's day and age for pay-per-view buys, that's really, really good. And it's a 250% increase from the last fight. So if you were to just look at those raw numbers, not bad. It's a, it's a pretty good day at the office. However, if you're guaranteeing $25 million to two fighters, they probably needed to do 1.2 just to break even. All right? Um, so the idea that they're not, they didn't even crack a million is pretty disappointing. Now, I saw this, this thing that came out with Kevin Ioli's piece where he's got this gentleman. Let me get his, uh, his name correct, so... Just for uh, just for argument's sake, because his name is Wayne Lonstein of VFT Solutions, which tracks the signal uh, of piracy. And he is claiming that the reason that the buy rate was so low is because piracy was way up. Um, that there were nearly 10 million views on platforms like Twitter, Facebook. 10 million, all this type of stuff. Now, this is crazy to me because I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, I've accidentally, like, just streamed. Uh, well, first, let me just say this. I've pirated fights before. I'm not going to say I haven't. I've definitely, I've, I, for a guy who's watched as many fights as I have, you know, they've put fights on pay review. I'm just like, bro, this ain't worth my money. I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to find a link for it. I'm not going to say that I haven't pirated fights before. I have. Uh, I don't want to lie to you guys. But I've also just watched, like, regular fights on Fox for UFC. And I've like Instagram live just talking to listeners and UFC so on it that if it he if the Facebook hears UFC in the background, psh, they will lock your feed. They won't let you on and they'll suspend you for 3 days. So I find it crazy that these feeds are happening on Facebook and Twitter and all that type of stuff. I guess you got to have like no followers and everybody just happens to go there. I assume. Uh, I don't know. So he says that's the main culprit of it. This is why I go no sale on it. You're telling me in the fights that do over a million buys, the Canelo fights, the Floyd Mayweather fights, that they weren't doing a lot of piracy either. Floyd and Connor got over to 4.25 million uh, pay-per-view buys. You're telling me a lot of people weren't stealing that fight? I just... I can't go purely on, oh, it's pi Dude, piracy has been around. I'm going to tell you, I've been a guy who's, who's looked at illegal fight links since I was in college, and they were still pretty good. I mean, look, in today's day and age, they're amazing. You get that crystal clear 4K, baby. I'm just saying, theoretically. Um, the thing that bummed me out about it, this is the one, this is the part of the story, though, that, that, that bummed me out about it. Because, look, I get it. People want to see a fight. People are sports fans. People might not necessarily have $80 to fork over for a fight. I get that. Uh, if you're individuals, it stinks. 
Um, the thing that really bummed me out, though, is him saying that many bars and restaurants were also illegally streaming the fight. And there's a couple reasons this this sucks. One is because uh, the cost for a restaurant or a bar to do it is a lot of money. It's not cheap. Like, if you guys go, you know, uh, to uh, to the Cheetah and they have their their, their sports line, they got to pay a lot more than the $80 to show that fight. They got to do it by square footage, as many people can show it. So they have to fork over a lot of cash. But it's a good business maker. I was talking to the, uh, to the owner of the Cheetah last week, and he's like, boom, here's a huge moneymaker for us because – so many people came in to watch the fights. Boxing and boobies. What's better than that? Um, so if you're stealing it and you're a restaurant, that's more of a scumbag move to me because you're trying to make a lot of money off of these these guys fighting and you're going around uh, the system for that. So if you want a business and you're doing that, that's a, that's a rat fink thing to do. You know, the individual who's just like, look, it's hard times right now, daddy, but I want to watch boxing. I'm not going to crush that person. I I, I get it. Uh, they're going to find a link. The, the, there should be plenty of people uh, that, that will make the fight and are going to fork over the money for the fight and are going to pool it. Uh, you know. But for them to put those buy rate numbers completely on piracy, I just can't, I, you know, I think you just got to accept the fact that it probably wasn't as big a deal as we thought it was. That's it. Because I can't get by that there's, so many fights that do better than that and piracy still around you know and it says in this story it says well the ufc efforts have been robust to combat signal theft and boxing aren't i gotta be honest with you again i'm not a guy i'm not gonna say i've never pirated a fight before i'm gonna be honest with you it is way easier to pirate ufc than it is boxing it's not even close baby i'm telling you right now the ufc links because they have such great uh, overseas packages I mean, it is, as, it is as easy as it gets, especially now that it's digital. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm giving you flat out how it is. Boxing, I think some of the times this boxing is so old school, they don't even know how to, they got to get like the, the you know, the, the, the old school feed to make it happen. So, I, a uh, couple of things that just didn't sell right in this, in this uh, Kevin Ioli piece as far as why the buy rates were where they were and blaming it completely on piracy. The thing that really bummed me out the most about it was seeing that a bunch of restaurants and bars are doing it. But honestly, I'm sure that's happening with the Connor fights and the Floyd fights and all that type of stuff. I'm sure that's happening with them too. Um, but we can't we can't just say that's the reason why this did disappointing numbers. You can't tell me that's the you can't tell me that eight hundred eight fifty thousand eight hundred fifty thousand in buy rates. It's it's solely because people are stealing it. I can't because people have been stealing fights forever. As long as there's been big fights, people have been stealing big fights, and there's been plenty of fights that have done better numbers than that. We're back after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. It's Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. You can text show 67974. Dexter writes in, piracy has been going on since the original cable black boxes. I remember that, man. Listen, <laughs> remember my father getting the card for the Lennox Lewis Tyson, uh, Mike Tyson fight back in the day? Whoop, pop in the card. There it is. Like, it ain't no thing. Easy. Easy money right there. But I just, it, piracy's been going on forever. I'm just not, I'm not going to go out and say, if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, the people of ESPN and Fox, uh, that's the sole reason why your rates were dis- were disappointing. You know, maybe people, as many people, first of all, the fact that you had that kind of an increase is very impressive. It's just that, you know, you had like Joe Tessitore come out and he said, he said in the first promo for the rematch, he was like, this is going to be bigger than Mayweather, uh, Mayweather McGregor. I'm like, really, man? Okay. You think this is going to do 4 million buys? All right. It just did, it did quarter of a million. The first, you think it's going to go to 4.25 million pay-per-view buys. You know, you just you, you set these lofty goals. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have thought this was going to be a million uh, pay-per-view buy fight. Definitely. But, uh, you know, there's this thing's been around forever for you to just roll and be like, well, you know, uh, it's, it's you know, we're just behind. Boxing's behind on the times. No, they're not. No, they're not. Just, as many people didn't, didn't care about this fight as we thought they did. It's still got mainstream coverage. Like, look, it's great. This whole thing, uh, Wilder with messing with the suit, it's still got it. Rare are the fights these days that you have a fight, and maybe the next morning you'll talk. Obviously, we'll talk about it on the show, but I'm talking about the mainstream, like ESPN. Rare are the days that it's going to keep co- that you're going to keep coverage going throughout the week. So that's been great about it. Like, I think in a in a sports relevancy term, this fight equated. It just didn't make people want to fork over the money for it. Um, but they're going to have to, for the, you know, they're going to, they're going to do the third fight. Um, Deontay said this week, he's going to, he's going to invoke his rematch clause. And so I guess maybe we'll get that in the summer, late summer, I would guess if that's, that's probably the most it's going to line up to. And then maybe by the end of the year, we'll get Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, or maybe Deontay beats him and we'll get Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. Who knows? We'll see. Um, a couple of other notes I want to get to as far as this week was concerned. Uh, one, from a local standpoint, 
Uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr., a.k.a. Baby Slice, he is going to be making his return to the cage at Bellator 241. Slice hasn't had a win in almost two years. His last fight got overturned to a no contest because they deemed that he put illegal blows. Um, I hope that he gets this win there. He's taking on Kahim Murray at UFC Bellator 241 at the end of the month. I got to say this, man. I've said this about watching uh, Kimbo's son fight. His son is talented. He really, really is. And there's been a lot of these fights where he is putting it on guys and then has just had a little bit of a slip up. But uh, he's more well-rounded than his dad is. He's fast like his uh, he's, he's faster than his dad was. Obviously, he's at a lower weight class. I think this is going to be at 160. So he's not as big as his father was. But uh, I like watching him fight. I'm always I'm always about it. Uh, I know he said at one point he wanted to uh, fight one of Dada 5000's guys at the uh, at the Watsko Center. I think that'd be a lot of fun if Bellator could make that happen. I'm always for anything that will get the fights down here. But uh, but yeah, he needs a win. He needs a win for sure. A lot of these young guys in Bellator, man, it felt like they were riding this really great wave of momentum of youth talent a couple years ago, and it has it has hit the skids. And that's why I'm not. I got to be honest, like I'm not as into Bellator as I have been in past years because uh, we've hit a little bit of a skid with some of these young guys that they were trying to build upon, except for AJ, uh, AJ McKee. That guy's that guy's an absolute stud. Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker, they also uh, seemingly agreed to a fight over Twitter. Um, I'm into that fight. I think that uh, I think that Dan Hooker is biting off a lot more when he takes on Dustin Poirier than he did with Paul Felder. Um, but Poirier needs a fight. You know, like, that's just the thing is he's in a spot right now where, you know, he lost to Habib and he doesn't really have a dance partner because Connor's not going to fight him, even though that one would make a little bit of sense. It's been a while since those two matched up, but, but Connor did obliterate him at featherweight. I don't really know what else he does uh, at that point. He's, he's ranked so high at that weight division, but he's a little bit too short probably for welterweight, so I don't know if he makes the move there. Uh, him and him and Masvidal are also very close. I don't think he wants to go up there, step on toes as far as that's concerned with him versus Usman, which, by the way, Usman and uh, Camaro got into a little bit on Twitter yesterday, which uh, I need these guys to be signed up already. Like, this was supposed to be – I thought when Dana White said at the Super Bowl – that this is going to be announced for July. I thought like, hey, we're going to announce this for July, and we still haven't gotten to the point where uh, we have this fight happen. I don't know what the hangup is. I don't know if it's Usman's side. I don't know if it's uh, Masvidal. It sounded basically on uh, – for Masvidal's call out on Twitter, it sounded like it's uh, Usman who's holding it up. I don't know if he's holding it up for money. I don't know what he's holding it up for. But either way, I want these two in an octagon for the welterweight championship of the world ASAP. Uh, we need that fight to happen. Speaking of that bout, uh, of that little crew, Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya is next week for the middleweight championship of the world. And much like Joseph Benavidez this past week, this feels a little bit like Yoel Romero's last chance. There's a couple of reasons. One, uh, he lost his last fight. He lost to Paulo Costa. Very, very close fight. I had Yoel winning the fight. I will say... In fairness, I'm super biased for Yoel Romero. He's one of my faves, so take that for what it's worth. But I did think that he – I thought that he made Paulo Costa miss a lot, and I thought that he had the more damaging shots as the fight was going on. So I thought that he won the fight. Either way, in the record books, it's a loss. So it's kind of an oddity that we have this new phenomena in the, in the, uh, in the mixed martial arts in UFC where we're just taking guys who lose and we're just going like – yeah, but my opinion is they won and they're getting title shots. It's a weird thing because we have this happening with Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo where Marlon Marais uh, got his hand raised. He is officially 
the winner in their fight. And if you go to their Wikipedia and look at their record, who has the win? It's uh, it, it's it's Marlon Marais. But Dana White, the champ, they're just like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I think we're gonna go with Jose Aldo for the for the championship. So it, it's a weird era that we're we're stumbling upon into here. And basically, we have a little bit of a hang up at middleweight because I think if Paulo Costa was ready to fight. This wouldn't be quite the situation that we have uh, with bantamweight because I think that he did have a good performance against Yoel. It wasn't as much of a robbery as probably Jose versus Marias was. But uh, even still, he's injured. Uh, he's got some things going on. So they're trying to get him healthy, and he's going to get a title shot one day down the line. He, he is. Um, because him versus Yoel was an awesome fight, regardless of who you thought won. It was a really, really great fight. And I think him versus Stylebender would be a great fight, or if him versus Yoel rematch. But Stylebender basically said, I don't feel like my legacy is going to be complete without fighting Yoel Romero. And not a lot of people are signing up to fight Yoel Romero. So I think this is going to be an awesome fight. thing that I think uh, is going to be interesting about it, I think it can make a little bit for a boring fight, though. You know, these are two guys who are very explosive, they like to wait out their opponents and, and pounce on mistakes. So I wouldn't be surprised if we hit a if we hit a run where rounds one and two are very, very slow and you know, the littlest thing can pick up a couple rounds. And I think that's big because if nobody gets knocked out in this fight, that's gonna leave the opportunity for those rounds to be stolen. Um the question will be if Yoel is willing to 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 go in there, try and take a guy like Israel down. Um, which is no easy feat. He's very, very good at his takedown defense, and Yoel doesn't use his wrestling much. You know, he'll use it in a powerful sense, but he is much more. I'm gonna wade back, and I'm gonna do something crazy and some in some you know tiger-like way where he's just like waiting it, waiting it, waiting, it, and then bang, he's pummel, he's 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 on you quick. So I think that all the waiting out between these two can really make for. Um, it could, it could have a lot of lulls, but I think it's one of those fights where the anticipation will be high so much because you know at some point those two are going to go at it with one another that it's going to make for absolute fireworks. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get a slow start. I'm not going to pick against uh, Yoel Romero. That's my guy. So full disclosure, I love that dude. I hope that this is the opportunity he, he gets this fight, though, that he gets this win because if he doesn't win this title fight, that's probably it as far as title fights are concerned unless he moves up to, like, 205 but he won't fight john jones their boys uh management thing too there's a crossover there so he won't fight john jones uh it's also a huge size discrepancy i mean it's crazy i mean that'd be like a dude who's i guess it's not that crazy if you're considering because israel's a big dude too but john john's limbs are just a little bit bigger it's a tougher it doesn't really matter it's never gonna happen anyway so why are we even talking about it uh, then you have Zhang Weili. She's fighting Joanna and Jacek, and that is for the strawweight championship of the world. Joanna, uh, once queen of the strawweight division, taking on Zhang Weili. Uh, this is interesting because Zhang Zhang Weili has had to deal with the uh, the coronavirus. She had to leave China, which I'm sure was uh, was uh, very stressful on her as far as getting ready for this fight's concern. And Joanna, of course, she has been training down at American Top Team now for a while. It feels like she's probably been down here for. Um, uh, man, we're talking three years now. It's been a while since she left Poland. And it hasn't even been the best results since she's come to ATT. She's one of those rare stories of somebody who's come to American Top Team 
and the career hasn't been fantastic. She's had losses to Rose Namajunas. She's had losses to Valentina Shevchenko. And I think somebody who left where they had all their success in Poland, you'd probably look upon that and say, man, she's probably going to go somewhere. And she didn't. You know, she's always been very complimentary of her coaches. Um, you know, she said some crazy things about her opponents, but as far as throwing coaches under the bus, which I think would have been ripe for her to do, hasn't done it once. Hasn't done it once. Has always been very supportive of American Top Team. And look, not everything is always the coach's fault. I mean, that's just, it's good to see a fighter who has accountability with that stuff because I got to be honest with you, as far as training facilities are concerned, quality of coaches, and especially, this is, this is a rare one too, especially a gym that has the, the women's talent pool that American Top Team does, there probably isn't a better place for, for, uh, a woman to train if you're at the high level of mixed martial arts. You have Amanda Nunes trained there. You have all these these great, great training partners that would be an American top team. So it's cool to see she hasn't done anything like that, but it hasn't bore out these great results at all points. Um, the question with her is going to be, man, can she get off to those? Can she get off to this fast start where she's really imposing her will and makes the opponent really hesitant to come on in because? You know, with with Wei Li, it's it's one of these things where, you know, she she went in, put it on Jessica Andrade so quickly, she could be a little bit of a force, a little bit of a dynamo, and with Joanna, she's just got to keep moving, got to keep peppering, got to come from the outside. Um, never has been the one who is going to go knock anybody out. Normally, it's a butchering that happens over a period of a fight. You know, she is going to put a lot of punishment on your face, make your face look a little bit different. Um, that's going to that's gonna be the big question here. You know, she's she's uh, always had her best success at strawweight. She had a little bit of a, a cup of coffee at flyweight, took on Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina's probably the second best woman to ever do this, so didn't have the, the success there that bore out a win. But from my standpoint, um, you know, we just haven't seen her be who she's been in a long time, so I think I'm going to go with Zhang Weili to get this win. I think that she's got a lot of uh, stuff she's fighting for as well. She talked about fighting with a big purpose. Um, we just haven't seen the same Joanna that we've we've seen in a while. So uh, I don't know. I don't I don't feel great about her her coming back down. It'll also be interesting what the weight cut will be like. Her return to flyweight uh, it hasn't been as big an issue. Remember, she had the crazy videos that she put out back in the day where people thought she was like near death. Um, you know, she hasn't been in that type of realm in a while. She's done it a lot better, a lot safer. Um, but even still, it's still a challenge for her and, and is, is going to be, is going to be a little bit difficult. So I'm going to go with, uh, Yoel. I think Yoel gets his hand raised. I'm going to say he wins a close decision. And I think, uh, Zhang Weili, I think she is, uh, I think she'll stop Yoana at some point in this fight. I would go like mid round, I think is where I would feel it going, but I'm looking forward to that. That's a great card next week. UFC 248 in Las Vegas. Really, really fun night. Sean O'Malley's going to be returning to the card. You get to see him and Sugar, Sugar Sean's back in action. Uh, Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin's a fun fight. Neil Magny uh, on the card. Benil Darush is on the card. Uh, so a lot of fun matchups. A lot of fun matchups uh, next week in Las Vegas. That's our show for this week, everybody. Uh, have a great rest of your Sunday. No morning show tomorrow. We will be back on Tuesday. So I look forward to talking to you guys then. And that's it. Well, that is our show. If you miss any of it, download the podcast. Check it up on YouTube, theticketmiami.com, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you next time.